Hey friends, it's Mark again with uh, another version of the I Am Experience. We're going to continue our thought about today, talking about um, in living color. I am in living color. Last time we talked a lot about uh, this movie Pleasantville that were that was shot in black and white, and kind of got some concepts. But I want to finish that thought today, and we'll start again in Genesis three, as always. Uh, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, um, they knew they were naked. They had something happened within them. They awakened to something that they couldn't handle. They weren't mature enough to handle this kind of knowledge. Um, they saw themselves uh, differently, even though nothing had physically changed. Nothing, nothing changed. But the, the thing that happened was this new voice was born out of this experience of disobeying God. And um, what happened was, as we all know, it says they knew they were naked and they hid themselves because they were naked. And and God came to Adam and they sewed fig leaves together. We talked about that. And they sewed fig leaves together to help cover the sense of shame it came from eating um, the tree. So the, this new knowledge, this awareness, this system was born of the carnality, the carnal mind. To Because he took a hold of the things of God in his own strength, um, this voice was born within him that he could not comprehend. And, and he, he created fig leaves to cover himself. So he took the things of the garden to cover himself. So he took other things of God to cover up the shame that he's experiencing. And uh, that's what we've been talking about, this, this carnal mind. There was a voice that was born within him, and God asked him, you know, what have you done? Who told you you were naked? And, you know, did you eat of the tree? Where are you? Who told you? And what did you do? Well, Adam answered, where was I? Because he said, well, I heard your voice. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Um, We could very easily say because I was ashamed. I was afraid. I was ashamed because I was naked. In other words, this this new um, voice, but he said, who told you you were naked? And Adam did not ever answer that. And that's what we've been on a journey to understand. Who is it that is telling you that you were naked? Is it? Is it you? Is it is it God? Is it the devil? Is it are you schizophrenic or what's going on? And um, you know the four voices. Uh, I have a training that I'm working on about the four voices of the garden. And um, so anyway, he could not answer that question. And we're still exploring the opportunity to reveal the answer to that um, in these discussions. Who told you you were naked? And um, but he couldn't live with that. He couldn't live the way he was exposed, so he covered himself. And that's what we've been kind of sort of hitting at. That because this carnal mind um, creates havoc upon our identity, it, it, Adam at that point became a fragmented identity. He became um, what I call polarized. I'm not talking about human and divine. I mean, something happened inside of him. There was a split, and um, this this uh, ego and this self and this um, awareness of carnality and this this overwhelming awareness of 
being different and not being accepted by God and maybe he's changed his mind and and the fact is God never said he changed his mind but yet he is the one that hid from God God did not hide from him and that is that is an issue that I have Um, more as I get older I'm realizing um, maybe not so much that our sinfulness um, you know have separated us from God which we all know all the scriptures and I know all that I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh, belittle that point. I'm trying to clarify maybe how that actually works. And for me, when we enter into willful disobedience or, let's say, miss the mark, it's a lot easier to hide from God and, and cover ourselves with even the things of God. And I don't know if that makes sense. So that you can feel better about yourself. Um, a lot of times... I know it's it's human nature or the fallen nature or the damning nature so when you do wrong you you try to do a good thing to compensate for the bad thing but we've translated that and brought it into our walk with God and and there's truth to being obedient and there's a good sensation and feeling um uh, but that's not a really a good way to live um cuz there's nothing good but God so what I what I've learned is is when I miss the mark, when I disobey, when I when I fail, even my own consciousness and the voice of the spirit within me and disobey that, um, there's an overwhelming sense not not only of guilt but it can lead to shame that drives me away from Him, and so if, the very picture in the garden is this: that Adam hid from God. God didn't hide from Adam. God still came to Adam even in his disobedient state. So his sin did not separate him from God in the sense of God not coming back to him to visit with him to find out where he's at and what's going on in his life. But rather it was Adam, I submit to you that it was Adam that hid himself from God. And so the awareness and the knowledge is too great. And when you miss the mark and you're disobedient, willful disobedience and those kinds of things and you knew you shouldn't have done it, it actually drives you from the presence when something in our spirit with the great knowledge that we have of the blood and the the power and the mercies renewed every day but we still can't bring it sometimes to reality to where we still approach god and and clean our heart and conscience before him like every morning the mercies are renewed and then work on the things we can work on accept the things we can't and just trust him for the rest it was not God in the garden that, that rejected himself because he disobeyed. He kicked him out of the garden because he did not want him to take a hold of the tree of life. And he could not, he could not take it away from him, so he drove man out of the garden to protect him from staying in this state forever. From staying in this carnal mind state forever. And he knew all along, because in Revelations, I believe 11, it says he was, Jesus was the lamb slain before the world was framed, before it was formed. So Jesus was the primary lamb sacrifice before Adam's failure, because God knew that Adam, because he knows us all, would take a hold of the things of God out of sequence of time for us, out of, in, a, in a realm of immaturity that we couldn't handle this knowledge. And so he drove man, drove man out knowing that in the, you know, knowing that Jesus would be incarnate and be born amongst us, become man. The word, the intent of thought of God would become flesh and would dwell among us. And that's, that's kind of what's happened. And so 
Do your sins separate between you and God? Absolutely. But maybe not in the way that you think. Um, God is not a man. He's not, doesn't see things like we do. And I don't think he suffers from low self-esteem. You know, I get dis- disappointed when my children disobey me, but I don't disown them. Um, I may not want to talk to them in a moment. And, but, and I can just imagine God is not even close to like that. Like he doesn't take it so personal. You know, sometimes as parents, you take it so personal, um, like in its indictment on your raising, when actually kids are just being kids and they're selfish at the core, and they, they never, it never once entered their mind how it was going to affect you, but you, you know what I'm saying? And then they, they ask forgiveness, and they just move on, and we're still stuck holding the bag of resentment and bitterness and wondering where we went wrong. So I want to talk about this fig leaf mentality of, of covering yourself and this, this new found voice, this ego, this self, this carnal mind, this Adamic nature, this lower beast nature, this flesh, that part of us that was born that moment that he took that, that knowledge, that part of us that was born and that voice that was created is what we're dealing with. And that voice is built upon acts of the past. It is formulated. And, you, and I hope you know that we have been subtly handed down to us a belief system. We believe what we believe because we've been taught it and we've been, it's been reiterated. We've been systematically taught to believe something. Whether you're in church or not, there's a system out there. And we talked about that at length last time. I want to go into it. But I want this, it's very important to say this. There is a belief system, whether it's religious, whether it's in church, whether people are out of church or not, there's a belief system that protects this voice and it keeps it from being exposed. And this voice will lie to you. This voice will say, you are okay, you are right, you are doing great because you'd have to be doing good or else you wouldn't have a good job. Are you? you know, those are not the sequences of being right before God. And we've talked about that. So I want to continue this thought about the black and white world. This, the goal of this knowledge of good and evil is to get you into a black and white world so that you can discern everybody and everything and make sense of everything in your world. And that gives this carnal mind clarity on everything on the external. The carnal mind wants to find an identity in the external world. And the only way it can do it is if you have a black and white belief system. Because otherwise, there's no security in that. There's no black and white. And um, that's what this movie's about. And, and, and Bud and Mary Sue were the characters, and they were launched into this black and white uh, film from years ago. It was a series, and so, you know, Bud knew everything about them, knew all their history, knew everything. He was going to be in a contest to win a prize to know everything, but they got launched into it. And we talked about it last time, but I, w- I want to reiterate it. It was funny because the libraries didn't have any books I mean, they had full of books, but no, no words. They were all blank pages. Nothing burns in Pleasantville, yet they have a fireman, firehouse, and there was no stools in the stalls, so there was no mess. There's no mess to clean up. There's no, no waste. There's no fire, so there's no risk. And then there's no, but there's no letters on the pages because there's no knowledge and no revel, no new revelation. And the revelation knowledge is what thrusts you into what we're talking about. Everything that's come to us is coming through revelation knowledge, and it's going to help us expose the, the, the falseness of this black and white. It's going to take this uh, fig leaf off 
the blinders off our mind and expose this thing. And we talked a lot about some of those thoughts, but I want to continue the, the notes that I took from this movie. I, I watched it on the way home on my iPod. And then we left off last time talking about Bud saying, I'm from outside Pleasantville, and we talked how we related that to Christ in some ways, and it could be us too. And as Bud talked about stories like Huckleberry Finn, the, the, the kids that were actually had the book in their hands, the words started appearing. And so we see Revelation knowledge is setting people free from the black and white world, and people actually started coming in color as they started reading the words out of the book that had appeared out of nowhere. And that's what revelation knowledge is, is an understanding. Of, it's like reading in between the lines, but reading it as if it was the line. It's the, it's the revelation. It's the secret code. It's the message within the message. And as they're reading that and learning it, they're starting to come in color. And um, when people came in color, um, it was pretty uh, wild because, uh, like, Bud's mother in the movie became in color through a passionate experience and uh, you just have to watch the movie to see it yourself but she was scared because of what the black and white world would say about her and so she had to wear makeup to cover the color so she'd be accepted by the black and white and then the then the husband comes in and it's chaos and everyone's turning into color around everybody and some people are colored and a lot of them are black and white but it's still a black and white world it's a black and white system and the husband you know used to come home and every time of the time of day put his hat on the woman would there with his drink his supper would be ready his papers it was so systematic predictability that's where the black and white world and that's where the carnal mind thrives in the land of predictability and sometimes god brings chaos to our world he brings color to our world, something we've never seen before to upset the, the system of the black and white world to get us into a life of color. So the husband tells the wife, well, here's what we're going to do. You're going you're gonna to put makeup on. You're going to cover up your color. We're going to go back to doing everything I used to, we used to do because at one point he came home and said, honey, I'm home, and she was gone. For the first time in their life, she was gone. It wasn't that predictable. And he starts giving her all these rules of everything she's going to do, and she finally just says no. So the whole land of Pleasantville is in an uproar. They started a very strict, um, uh, how you call it, um, censorship. Yeah, they created a, a massive realm of censorship. They started, they started a no-colored campaign, like no coloreds were allowed in certain places. Um, they had the young people so stirred up they were they burnt all the books they could find that had words in them and um and that's how a lot of people came to color through the reading and the knowledge there was one place around the pond where they went and everyone was in color through the books and the knowledge there was censorship in full swing and they preached the moral code of conduct of pleasantville they preached the law even more the more they saw color the more they preached it they banned music, books, no, there was not allowed any color paints but black and white. And they preached, they, they taught in schools the non-changes theory of history. And uh, they just couldn't reconcile it. But of course we all know that uh, it didn't do any good. Because the truth of the matter is, 
once you go color, you can't go back to black and white. It's way, it's just almost too hard to go back. It's too hard to go back in black and white. And a lot of our, um, you know, we talked uh, before about the our heroes when I was a kid were white hats and the bad guys wore black hats and they were... The white guy, the white-headed guy, was the guy that's usually with the law, enforcing the law, making the law, and his fine, upstanding moral character. And the black-hat guy was a thief and a robber and a no-good scoundrel, which is great. That's true. But now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of seeing in the in the world's eye. I mean, I mean, God just speaks through all things to me. Anyway, I don't know about you, but I can see it, and I see in these movies we still have heroes. But the heroes are very flawed. I mean, they have a lot of gray area in them. Like um, that one character that um, Will Smith played that was a superhero type guy, but he was an alcoholic. He had a lot of gray area, but he was a good person, but he wanted to help people. And there's just a lot of our heroes today have a lot of gray in them, a lot of color. And so it's like the world's trying to say it's not a black and white world. And it's definitely not a black and white world. But for some reason, our flesh and our carnal mind thrives in that black and white world. We want to live in a world of absolutes. We want to believe in a world that has absolutes. And we want to know that what we know is the absolute truth. And this carnal mind thrives in in believing in these these areas of absolutes but if you if you really get down and dirty and start conversing with them and really get to the core of the crust of the issue um you'll find out that um everything and paul tried to tell us everything in this world is temporal in other words it's subject to change and i i have a lot of people that have a belief system that's based on certain absolute truth which means un wavering truth but it's always focused towards something in the external and the fact is nothing in the external lasts forever nothing is absolute and you just can't build your everything around that and that's where the religion comes in which tries to make sense of this fragmented pseudo love pseudo fragmented perception you know, and the religion came in and, sit and they gather around what we believe and our belief system is the is a moral code of conduct which everyone can acknowledge and prove and so you'll feel good about the person that you are and you 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 don't need I'll say it again, you don't need a law, you don't need religion to make you a good moral person. That should be a given. But the fact that you walk around in your heart of hearts and feel like you've achieved and you're better than others and better off, that proves the fact that the system is working well in your life and, and the, the carnal mind has deceived you and is ruling and reigning in, your, in place of the real you. So those are things that uh, I've been really contemplating about and this ego man it suffers from a low self-esteem and it has to have a belief system to make it feel right and this belief system is not always a religious system but if god loves you enough he'll strip you down from that thing and and there was there was one thought i wanted to get out before we close today um 
I, I think it was that voice of reason in the garden that tempter came with logical observation and a determination in approaching the things of God, and that set them up for failure. It was this, the deceiver's voice was the voice of reason and logic, and it appealed to them, and it gave birth to this carnal mind that thinks in only in terms of logic practicality pragmatism and it's that that kind of thinking only applies to this earthly realm it only applies to time that logic and pragmatism and predictability and probability doesn't work in the spirit world because there's no time and that's what's happened is this this voice of reason was the temptation because she looked at the fruit and it desired to make her wise and it just it seemed good for food so it had to be good and why was God going to withhold that from me and the, the voice of reason was the tempter the tempter was a voice of reason and logic and it appealed to something inside of her and it awakened something inside of them when they disobeyed God it awakened a logic pragmatic systematic approach to God and that's that's how most people believe it's logic if i do this i get that if you do this you do that and it's just like the pharisees their whole doctrine was you do good you go to heaven you do bad you go to hell i mean it couldn't get but their whole system was based upon these principles of good and evil white white hat black hat and this carnal mind has a voice and it's found within us and it dwells on external circumstances and past experiences, and it uses uh, religious scriptures and the things of God today to prop it up and to keep it alive and to reinforce its dysfunction. And um, I know this is hard to hear if you're only if you're hearing this for the first time. It's hard to hear, but it's good that you hear it, that you understand, you seek it out yourself. It is a deceptive voice that is covering you from the real you because the real question today still is who told you you were naked and there's this new voice i call it the negative persona and and i wanted to i wanted to close with this thought if i could find it here we go this this shows you where we're at as as a country as a nation as a people as the world um the natural carnal mind is it lives in a world of assumption um it it hides itself from the presence of god if it thinks it does wrong it it assumes things about god and others that aren't true it sees itself differently than it really is um you know it's actually false worshiping false acceptance of who you really are that's the highest form of idolaters worshiping the false sense of you and uh, I don't know if you've heard that before, but I'm just trying to find out who I really am and who I'm really supposed to be. Um, it's created through a vast network of feelings, emotions, and past experiences and thoughts that builds this sense of self. It ultimately will become a belief system to protect itself from being unraveled. And... Um, I, I, I read somewhere that made a lot of sense. In American advertising, they make all their money selling to this false sense of self. It's called, they're not selling products. 
They're, they're selling identity enhancers, exclusive high-priced products to add psychological value to your false sense of self. You see what I'm saying? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of our consumerism is we're trying to buy things that enhance this false sense of identity to make it of more value. So our whole consumerism mentality is created by by selling to the false identity, to the ego, to the carnal mind, to the false sense of self. And it, and I was reading and it says the more exclusive and the more high priced the product is, the more people want it who can afford it because it tells them they're good enough to get it. They deserve it. They that makes them better than everybody else. I mean, this identity enhancers what people people are selling. And look, if you can afford it, great, but don't let it change who you are or don't buy it. Are you just still going down the rabbit hole? This false sense of self-worth and value and satisfaction from comes from consumerism. So the system is already in place. Consumerism are to tell you that, that the carnal mind is alive and well in our world. Religion has even built itself and all its, all, a lot of its doctrine and a lot of things it teaches and a lot of things it's about in our world, and especially in America, is about consumerism making you a better consumer. And uh, having all the best and the latest and the greatest means God, they've equated that to God's love and God's approval, which is really not. It's man's approval of God loving you, which is ridiculous. I mean, our forefathers walked around with the clothes on their back and traveled all over the world preaching the gospel. And consumerism was the last thing on their mind. That's just my opinion. So American advertisers are selling identity enhancers, and you're not paying for uh, the product so much as you're paying for the image. And the reality is, if we actually looked at the value of the product that it added to our life, you'd be shocked at what it was really cost. You know, we all know, we all know that Nike shoes, we've heard... We all know they're made overseas, and we all know they have less than $5 in one pair start to finish. And we all know little kids make them. We all know that people suffering across the world make them. You know, in those Chinese, I don't say concentration camps, they're called work camps, and they have all these people living together, and all they do is just work in factories. They have such an enormous suicide rate because... That is not a way to live. But we all know Nike shoes, so to speak, uh, cost $5 or whatever to make. But yet we gladly will pay $150 for the identity enhancement that it brings to us. And yeah, they are good products. I understand. They're, they're perfect. They're great. But I'm just trying to make a point. Uh, we, don't, we don't take into consideration because the carnal man can, and the ego can only protect and preserve itself at all cost. So let's get out of the black and white world. Let's live in some color. Um, there are many shades of gray. And it's a beautiful place. And even God put the rainbow in us as a promise in the sky that he'd be with us forever, never turn us over to ourself again. 
for our own destruction. And he made a promise to us, and he made it in color. There was no black and no white in that. All right, I love you guys. Um, Talk soon. I hope these are a blessing to you. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Talk to me. Bye-bye.